Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss Tyree Jackson's likely season-ending injury, break down the standouts of the joint practices with the Patriots, and preview the preseason matchup against New England. Chris, I just drink a Red Bull. How are you doing today? Not bad at all. You know what? I did something different today. I actually went to Wawa, got one of those cappuccino things, and got espresso. So that's how I'm going to get my energy, and hopefully it's uh, going to convey across the mic, man. How are you doing? Good. You know what? So you, since you bring up Wawa coffee, I'm probably going to get made fun of for this, but I'm a huge fan of like the mint mocha there. It's not bad. It's so not bad. Like, I don't if People don't know this. I don't know if we ever discussed this on the podcast, but when I first got up here, uh, Zach and I lived together. Like I, I stayed with him for like a month. So podcasts were very convenient because we would just be like in the living room <laughs> uh, in between watching movies or, or writing, just do a podcast. But anyway, we used to go to Wawa every morning as we carpooled to to uh, practice, and I just got hooked on the Mocha Mint. I haven't had it in like probably a year and a half, but I love it. I did have a, a as I tweeted yesterday, I did have a Wawa lunch. Uh, it was wonderful. I got a sandwich <laughs> and a salad. Always get that salad with the feta there. They've got very good feta. Anyway, uh, Wawa's not a sponsor, although if they'd like to, they can reach out to uh mike rosenstein or kevin manahan what you want to do there um shameless plug but i digress uh so listen chris breaking news uh like right before we got on on the microphones uh eagles former quarterback turned tight end standout of the summer tyree jackson uh suffered a, a bone fracture in his back uh many of you guys will recall you hardcore Eagles fans you of the time where Clay Harbor broke a bone in his back on a Thursday night football game during a Thursday night football game against the Cincinnati Bengals it was I believe Andy Reid's last year it was like a brutal game to watch but I I, for some reason I always remember that and I I covered Clay in, in Jacksonville and he and I since he's retired have become pretty good friends but I was just reminded of that when the news broke. Um, you were over on the offensive side of the field. I covered defense. We'll get a little bit more into our breakdowns of practice later. But what exactly happened with Tyree that, that made him suffer this injury? Well, the the, the thing that, that happened is this is what makes it all so disappointing is he went he ran a post route and he leapt up in the air and caught the ball over Patriots defender. And then he just the way he was like slightly hit towards the lower part of his his body and then he just fell on his back completely on his back on his back itself and he slowly got he's he saw he was down for a few seconds and then he got up and slowly walked away and i mean it the catch itself and impressed uh, it it impressed uh harold carmichael and mike quick i mean they saw it and they were like wow and it, it was a really good catch but then now you find out that you lose him for a minimum of 10 weeks which by that point you might as well just say the season it, it, it's a rough thing to go, and he—he he, thought he was having a good practice at that point. So, the he, he the Eagles are losing a good tight end with a lot of prom, a promise, and he he was he was balling during training camp. It is crazy. 
Well, and, and uh, we spoke to an Eagle spokesperson who told us that the the injury doesn't require surgery, but it does take about eight to ten weeks to recover. Uh, that sounds like, hey, we're going to redshirt this, bruh, uh, for the, the remainder of the season, which is kind of where I saw this going. I thought maybe he'd have like a phantom finger injury or whatever, but... Um, that said, the Eagles will need to wait till after 53-man roster cuts to place him on IR. If they were to cut him before, uh, they'd have to subject him to waivers. And I think after what he did against the Steelers, after how we've all written about him, uh, probably not a smart idea to just kind of like leave him open to like the Patriots to claim a guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I think they'll wait it out. It could affect how they break down the roster, what they could do is if they're going to keep three tight ends, they could cut Richard Rogers because he wouldn't be subject to waivers. And then the next day put Tyree Jackson on IR and bring him back. That happens all the time. We saw it last year uh, when they cut Craven LeBlanc um, to make room for Jason Huntley off the waiver process. They brought him back a couple of days later. So uh, I look, this isn't the end of Tyree Jackson's story. I think they really like what they saw from him. He was running with the second team in the preseason game, his debut as a tight end. Um, And look, if there's no injury, I think he earns a roster spot over Richard Rodgers. You and I both had him over Richard Rodgers in our um, latest 53-man roster projections. That said, the Eagles seem like they want to go for this. They're not in a rebuild, they're in a reworking, and it looks like they want to be competitive. This division is wide open. I think the, I mean, sorry, not the Patriots. I think the Cowboys are going to win this division, but I think you a second team can easily win a playoff spot here, and I think Washington, Philadelphia, and, and uh, the Giants are all kind of in this category of they could either be super busts or they could boom to an you know an, uh, to a playoff spot. I predicted the Eagles would go nine and eight this season. I feel very good about that through three weeks of training camp and one preseason game. So we'll see how that goes. But if they're in it to win it, I think keeping Richard Rodgers out there, a guy who knows what he's doing, a guy who can play well on special teams, a guy who you saw last year stepped up on the roster, especially with Zach Ertz still potentially being a trade candidate. What do you think of the dynamics of the tight end room right now? Well, I thought it was interesting before the Jackson injury occurred that they were really working crewmen during the individual sessions and then also during some of the rest of practice. And I don't know if it was an extended look to say, hey, do we want to cut this guy or and see see if he really should stick around or they were trying to give him some, just some extra work because he's been out. So I'm very interested to see. I think he's going to get a lot of time. I stole. I thought Jack stole the undrafted tight end, the undrafted free agent tight end they got from Indiana. I thought he was going to play a figure to be a bigger a bigger role in this offense and be featured a lot more. But it hasn't been the case, and he's flashed at times, but then also sometimes he made some drops. So I think the room is pretty deep. I mean, everybody knows that Zach Ertz is going to continue get, and, and Dallas Goddard are going to continue to get their targets. That third guy, like you mentioned, special is a special teams guy, or or even maybe a goal line. And you just want to have a, a guy who's potentially going to be a combination good blocker and a good receiver in that role. And I think Rodgers definitely fills it. It's a matter now, I think, of especially that first game, if they cut Rodgers to make sure that his contract's not guaranteed, do you basically go with Kroom or do you go with Stoll? And right now, if I had to go between the two, I think Kroom would be that guy. Yeah, I think um, 
when you look at this tight end group, obviously if Ertz and Goddard are both here, I think Ertz has kind of warmed up to the idea of, hey, he's going to be around. Uh, I still don't think it's a guarantee he'll be here week one, but I do think he's kind of warmed up to that concept. Uh, obviously, Goddard will be here. Um, look, their tight end room is a strength, especially with the wide receivers yo- being young and still growing. And I think Richard Rodgers has proven to be a reliable guy when he's been healthy. Um, clearly, the front office likes him. They brought him back about 45 times. Uh, he's basically <laughs> the better Blake Countess version of a tight end. Hail Mary, Hail but, Mary specialist, too. But but on the subject of tight end, I think we need to talk about the uh, five cuts that the Eagles made to get down to 86. Technically, Matt Leo doesn't count because he's uh, an international exemption player. So they technically have 85 players on their roster. Um, tight end, Caleb Wilson was cut. Uh, we talked about him on the postgame pod last week. Uh, brutal blocking penalty like one of the most egregious blocking penalties i've seen in a really long time on a 28 yard run from jason huntley jack Stahl also got flagged for holding as well on that play but caleb wilson just kind of seemed out of it he was a practice squad player who played five games last year all on special teams um he got claimed actually by washington who had him before the eagles uh last summer um so he got claimed he got another uh, a shot after getting released early which i respect teams that kind of rip the band-aid off there then they also waived adrian killens who uh came into the league and played college football at running back but then they converted him to wide receiver he was playing mostly in the slot he was targeted on that second interception by nick mullins last week against the steelers Uh, I'm a little bit surprised that he got cut this early, especially with the wide receiver injuries and the running back injuries, frankly, because Jason Huntley's sidelined, you know, and as as we're about to talk about the three other wavings that they did on Tuesday, the running back room is kind of light, especially if you want to preserve guys like Boston Scott, Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard. But again, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, And then, you know, so at wide receiver, you've got guys like John Hightower coming back from injury, Devontae Smith coming back from injury. Plus, you don't really want to play Devontae Smith a ton. Same with Rager, same with Quez Watkins, same with Travis Fulgham. So um, it's interesting that they let him go early. He cleared waivers and then signed with the Broncos on Tuesday. Uh, so it's good when teams – like you know you have good depth when uh, two players – who you cut in the first round of cuts get picked up by other teams. I think that says something about the depth you have. I've never thought that the Eagles roster was as bad as everybody else thought it was, but uh, clearly the NFL doesn't either. Um, let's get into those three other cuts. Cause that's what I really want your perspective on. So they wave injured both Casey Tucker and, and Luke Jariga, two depth offensive linemen. Luke Jariga kind of profiles as a bigger Jason Kelsey. I think if he clears waivers, they won't give him an injury settlement. His season's done. He'll be on IR. He had an ankle injury. Um, And then they'll go from there. Uh, Casey Tucker's kind of just been like this perennial, like practice or training camp guy. He's been on the practice squad occasionally. But the big one is Carrion Johnson was waived injured. He suffered a knee injury against the Steelers. It looked like he got injured on a play where he ran, kind of tripped, then got up and kind of ran a little bit gingerly. 
Uh, I think he stayed in the game a little bit, but we don't know the extent of his injury. We just knew it was week to week. Made sense to me. Kind of predictable that they'd cut him. Uh, they need the roster spot at this point. Um, what's your perspective now on the running back room with kind of Elijah Holyfield and Kenny Gainwell having to, to kind of, uh, you know, hold down the fort for the most of the preseason now? Well, I'll start out with Johnson. I was It was disappointing to see that he's not going to – that he was waged because he was actually having a good camp. He got injured, I should say, because he was having a good – I thought he was having a good camp, and I thought a little bit better than uh, Jordan Howard, even though Jordan Howard had that really good block in the game against the Steelers. But when you look at the rest of his room, Gainwell looks like he's starting to pick up this offense a little bit better now. And he's not – because of that, he's not thinking as much, which means he's playing a lot faster and you're starting to see him at times get in there with the first team, mainly the second team, but he got a couple first team snaps. So I think you'll see a little certain packages where he's utilized, especially with him and Miles Sanders or him, him and Boston Scott. I mean, that's a lot of speed that you have on the field there. So that's pretty good. Uh, when it comes to Elijah Holyfield, he hasn't had the best. He, he's he's like Jordan Howard in a way. He has he's had he does really well when it comes to running in short yard situations. But he's had a lot of critical drops, especially during 707s or 1111s. And especially with, it looks like, especially with Nick Sirianni saying that the running backs are going to be used a lot in this offense in the passing game, that doesn't bode well, I think, in my opinion, for him. So I can see him coming back as a practice squad guy. I wouldn't be opposed to that, especially if you need somebody, somebody goes down and he has familiarity with the system. So... I say you go with that, but this it just goes to show you that this running back room is still very, very deep because now you're rolling with Sanders, Scott, Gainwell, uh, and and Jordan Howard as well. I mean that that's a that's a nice core four that you have that like you can mix in and use in a variety of uh, variety of ways depending on the opponent. Yeah, I don't think there's a luckier guy on this roster than than Elijah Holyfield, who would almost definitely be cut <laughs> if Carryon Johnson wasn't injured. Um, Let's kind of get into the standouts of the joint practices now that we've gone through the cuts. Um, to me, uh, well, I mean, I think from the offensive perspective, uh, you we split up. So the way joint practices work, we'll give you a little bit of insight. The two teams split up into offensive and defensive groups. So the Patriots offense plays the Eagles defense, the Eagles defense plays or, or sorry, the Eagles offense plays the Patriots defense. Special teams goes and hosts a puppet show or something. I don't know what they do uh, until <laughs> the end where they try for kicks. But um, <laughs> yeah, take me through, you know, three or four offensive standouts. Um, I think the obvious one based on social media is Jalen Rager. Talk to me about Jalen Rager and some of the other guys. Two of them are receivers for sure. Jalen Rager, he he's made that he made that one outstanding one-handed catch. I mean, that was he leapt he leapt up and caught that thing. Oh, it was just <laughs> it was nice. But just besides that one catch itself, he's catching the ball cleanly with his hands and and he's using a, he's using running his routes a lot better. It seems like it seems like he needed this he needed these joint practices because when they were going against the Eagles defense, it just seemed like he was messing up a lot what ha- or what have you, dropping passes. This week, it looks like he's just like focused in, tuned in to what he's supposed to be doing. He's making these good cuts. He's getting a lot of separation now, and he's flashing himself in the middle of the field so that Hurts can see him. 
and deliver the ball. So I really like the way that Rager's playing. Once again, Quez Watkins played well. <clears throat> Excuse me. He, during a one-on-one sessions, I believe it was a catch over Michael Jackson Sr., he went over, he basically ripped the ball away from him and then basically backpedaled it to the end zone, which was hey, wait, he backpedaled right. against Michael Jackson Sr. Oh yeah. Oh, about- it's, it's, it's a, the moonwalk thing's right there. And I'm <laughs> mad I didn't think about it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, should oh, now I'm regretting not putting that in the story that, that way. But yeah, he's been playing well. He's still continuing his strong camp. Offensive line, Sue Opeta to me had played played really, really well. There was a I still vividly remember the one play where he and Toth are basically opened a scene for Boston Scott, where he basically got into the pads of the Patriots defensive end and just pushed them back about a good five yards and got and then went ahead, not only just tossed him aside a little bit, then went to the second level and got to a linebacker. So I thought Opeta did very well and, and, and flashed in there. Uh, getting back to Jalen Hurts, I thought he had a great first day. He was he, he was on target and he was just he was dishing the ball out very well on time. Balls were in a good area where they had to be. That second day, I thought he was a little sporadic. There were times when he would loft the ball up and, and be on point and accurate, but then he seemed like to settle back in during especially during seven oh seven. It was just erratic. And at one point, he tried to throw. He basically kept the ball, held on the ball, and ran the ball and. It didn't like Shane Steichen and uh, Nick Sirianni too pleased because there was a time when Devonta Smith was starting to break open and Sirianni pulled him aside. They had they had a chat for about a, probably I want to say about a minute, but they came back. He came back and played a lot better. So you'll see that with him. He's still a young quarterback. He's still getting used to the league, and it looks like they're trying to hammer home from him throwing from the pocket a little bit more, or making the decisions even quicker. But those those will be the people who uh, stood out for me on offense. Who stood out on defense? It was a linebacker party. Uh, Look, Alex Singleton was everywhere. He drew praise from Nick Rallis pretty regularly over the span of the two days. Um, Eric Wilson closed out first team reps during the first uh, set of joint practices with a, uh, a pass breakup against the first team offense of the Patriots. And then he picked off Cam Newton in the end zone. I think TJ Edwards has looked really good. Um, he had an interception seven on seven work. Uh, and then it, on the defensive line, Javon Hargrave uh, missed the second practice with an injury. I think he'll be fine. He's listed as day to day. But that first practice, he was getting pre- pressure constantly in team drills. Uh, he was constantly in Cam Newton's face. In fact, one of his pressures led to Eric Wilson interception and team team drills for the first team. Uh, he also had another sack. Um, Hassan Ridgeway, who replaced Hargrave the next day, opposite Fletcher Cox, who, by the way, Fletcher Cox had a sack and a pass breakup uh, the first day of joint practices as well. Hargrave, uh, Ridgeway looked good as well. He looks like he belongs. I think he's the third defensive tackle, especially with the way that they're using Milton Williams on the outside. Um, so I think... I think this front's going to be very, very good. Um, we've talked about it. They're using some four, three under looks, which is essentially you have two line, two. I, I guess you would call regular off-ball linebackers who have hook responsibilities in coverage and in zone. Um, then you have, f- well, you have three down linemen, an edge rusher who stands up, and then in base you would have a uh, what what you would what Gus Bradley used to call an auto. So it's a basically a widespread 
four, 3-4 style outside linebacker who would play typically at Sam, but he could also play on Will as well. He's going to rush, but it's 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 kind of like a hybrid between being a 3-4 outside rusher and being in the wide nine, only you're standing up. So the players that they're using there right now are Jannard Avery, uh, who's injured, Joe Osman, who has a concussion, and seventh-round rookie Patrick Johnson. Frankly, Patrick Johnson has looked very good since the preseason game against the Steelers. I was extremely impressed. He was one of the few guys, he and Elijah Riley, were like the two guys from that second half of that game that I came away extremely impressed by. Um, that said, I don't know what type of world there is uh, where he's starting for this team, you know, right out the bat as a rookie. Honestly, when I look at the auto position, Alex Singleton is like tailor made for it. He's a great blitzer. He's good in coverage. He can tackle well in space. He makes a ton of sense. Like if I were running this defense, I would have Alex Singleton and Eric Wilson be, uh, be three down linebackers when Singleton and TJ or sorry, when Singleton and Eric Wilson are in there, they're the two nickel linebackers. When Edwards comes in, Wilson moves out to will Alex Singleton moves out to Otto, and Edwards is the middle linebacker. Like that's how I would run it. Those are the three best linebackers on the team. Uh, Alex Singleton, if you're going to use an auto linebacker or an elephant or whatever you want to call it, he makes more sense as opposed to, you know, Avery or Osman, who were more Leo style guys, those weak side edge rushers uh, that Gus Bradley and all those guys liked. But right now at that Leo position, even though they're not calling it Leo is speed guy, a speed guy like Josh Sweat. Uh, you also have um, Derek Barnett over there and, and Ty- Tyron Jackson. Uh, I know I'm going on a diatribe here, but when you look at the four, three under like to me, are we on the same page about the linebacker usage in this top three guys? First off, uh, I wish it was a video because I got like goosebumps right now here and talk about like all these formations and that. I, I love it. But I knew, yeah, co- I knew covering the Jaguars would eventually pay off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, it, it pay it pays to be in Jacksonville sometimes. Anywho, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're very, and that's the good thing about this position. They're very athletic. And to me, a lot of times they're pretty much interchangeable. I mean, there's some guys like Edwards I'm not going to rely on being in coverage too much. I mean, he can hold his own for a little bit, but I wouldn't make a habit of that. But, yeah, that was a very spot-on explanation of the way the usage that they use and the ways they can use them. And then don't and don't be surprised. I mean, there's so many different fronts. They've been There's so many different fronts and different looks that they can come out of that. They've been using that. I mean, Gannon looks like he's going to – Gannon – now, I'm not going to put that label on him yet, but it's very. Uh, I, I'm curious. I'm curious to see the creative blitzes packages that he uses from week to week. That, that's that's the one thing, especially with these linebackers. That's why I'm really curious to see how he's going to use them. But that was a, a, actually a very good assessment. Thanks for being surprised. Um, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> let's actually. We've been very positive on this podcast outside of the Tyree Jackson stuff, but from a negative standpoint, uh, Nikhil Harry and and Nelson Aguilar both owned the depth corners on, on Monday. Like it was extremely one-sided yesterday, Tuesday, they, it was a little bit more even um, especially with Darius Slay and Steve Nelson playing a little bit more individual drills working in, in, uh, you know, in coverage. Um, 
But yeah, like right now, your cornerback group is probably Darius Slay, uh, Steven Nelson, or Steve Nelson, as he likes to be called, Avante Maddox, who just was abused by Nikhil Harry, both on, on size and speed in the slot. Um, Zach, Zach McPherson, who was up and down, as you'd expect, uh, especially against uh, Harry. Um, and then from there, you've got a fifth spot. They've got great, they've moved Graylin Arnold from safety to nickel corner. And I wonder if that might help him make the roster. I don't think it will. I still think he's kind of on the outside looking in. But with Craig James uh, sideline with a foot injury, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that fifth spot. Because frankly, Michael Jaquette, if he is not holding uh, an opponent, they're blowing past him. Like Harry just absolutely abused this guy. Uh, throughout the week, uh, Jaquette, I think in one of their matchups forced, uh, an incompletion, but it was more to do with the ball placement than anything. Um, it was a lot like what you saw against the Steelers where, uh, Deontay Johnson caught that 30 yard pass. Like if he's not getting his hands on you, if he beat, if you get, if you beat him off the line, he's done. Like it. And you know what? I think he is practice squad worthy, and that's why you keep him around. I also think his size is interesting. And remember, he converted to cornerback just two years ago. So he's still kind of learning the position. But, man, I don't know how you put this guy out there uh, regularly. Um, I'm not impressed. I think he's good against the run because of his size. But for the most part, you know, I don't know where you're at with that. But Well, it was crazy because you just—you saw. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me interrupt. Sorry. It, it was just like you saw. All you saw was a flag from the, from either the, the back judge or the field judge. It seems like whenever Jacquet was out there, it was a flag, no matter what. It's he's physical, and I can see this like in a system that gives him a lot of safety help. I can see. I can see an instance where you can keep him on the keep him on the field, but like you said, like you're going to have to give a lot of help and and dive and basically shade that corner over that way and uh, to me if you're going to have a corner playing a lot of playing time like that and it takes away from one half of the field it's not worth it so he can if he needs time to develop he's still very young and the i'm really enamored with his physical side but his coverage especially against a speed guy or a guy who's has a few moves instead of just one move getting like getting off the line and avoiding that chuck is is rough and and to me I, and going back to Graylin Arnold he's made a lot of plays but he to me he's still a safety is his instincts is the way he's dropping everything else his instincts I just still see screams of safety still I know he played cornerback at times and it's great but he just screams of safety but Jaquette is I think the experiment's over for on a regular roster I think that experiment's over so I feel like we don't talk about Travis Fulgham a lot. Um, he's dropped a lot of passes. He still made some really intriguing plays, but to me, he's a body catcher. And you could see it kind of uh, after the Steelers game. Like he had a bunch of really good hand catches against the 49ers and Steelers combined. And then after that, he became kind of a body catcher. There seems to be like a discipline, eye discipline issue, at least from from the outside looking in. Talk to me about Fulgham and then maybe some of the guys that didn't impress on the offensive side of the ball against the Patriots. Fulgham is still working. With him, it's either he's running 
his routes not to the way that the office of coaching staff wants him to run it. He's lining up in position in the wrong position. There's, I mean, there's been a couple of times where you see the quarterbacks or coach have to get him into the right spot. And you go, you see this guy who had that four game stretch who looked like the best wide receiver in the league at times for it, even though it was a four game stretch to see him now, like he's having trouble lining up. It, it raises a lot of questions. I'll, and this is not hot take city or anything else like that, but it's gone to the point where I think JJ Arcega Whiteside has had the same camp, if not a little bit better camp, just because he's catching the ball a lot cleaner. He seems to be lying up in the right positions, but we all know what JJ Arcega Whiteside has done in the past. So it, that he's bringing up a big red flag to me. I mean, I think Andre Patton's played decently. I'm not saying he's going to make the roster for. You might think like, oh, he's the guy that's going to – I don't think so. But I thought there's times where he's performed better than the way Fogelman has at practice. And the physical traits – the physical talent is there. I, I, I don't know if he just has trouble, like, comprehending the stuff or the offense or, it's like, I remember there's the talk about his practice habits. I don't know if it's, if it's not a game where he just seems like he's out of it. I, I don't know. But I, he, it, it's getting to the point where it's like, all right, is he your four, four or five guy, fourth, fifth guy now? I mean, Hightower's starting to pick it up. John Hightower is picking it up a little bit too. So I'm at the point where you're looking at Devonta Smith at one, Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, and now probably Quez Watkins are your top three. With your fourth being that you still have to figure the front office still going to give J.J. Arcega Whiteside every chance. Do you move him to the fourth wide receiver? And then I was I put Fogelman as the five guy. It's he's it's been disappointing camp for him, and it's just it's sad to see in a way, given that what we know he's capable of. Yeah, and so I think that's a good segue into the preview for our pre, for the preseason coverage of uh, Eagles versus Patriots. Let's kind of talk about three guys that we want to will need to see step up. Uh, in this game, you know, the preseason is one game less. Uh, I'm going to guess that the starters play four to five series in this game, being that they, the defense only played one last week. Uh, the offense only played two. Um, and I think this will probably, this is a guess. Don't, don't quote me here, but this is a guess that the, uh, the starters won't play in this third game. Uh, based on the joint practices and all the work they're doing. So, um, yeah, Chris, give me three guys that you think really need to step up starting Thursday uh, to that are on the bubble that need to kind of do what they can to kind of stick around. All right, I'll start quarterback first, Nick Mullins. I, I think it may be a roster thing where they need to go with two just to hide a spot over the spot for somebody else, but he started out camp looking very, very good. He's getting the ball out accurately, quickly, and moving around, but then it seems lately, I don't know if everybody else is caught up to this, the way he plays, but he's been inaccurate at times. He's thrown, he's throwing the ball kind of every which way, and, and he's made some a couple poor throwing decisions. So I want to see how he bounces back in this upcoming game. Um, I want to see if Jason Kroom is ready. I want to see what he can do to prove that he can be a guy that can contribute in some 
way, shape, or form on his offense, given the chance. I mean, what was it? Was he the one that they threw? I think against the Giants game, like he had, he was just standing all alone in the corner, and he threw his way and got caught a touchdown. Like that's nice to be that much that open, but if you can't do anything else, then I, eh, can't do that. And then I probably say on the defensive side. Yeah, I'm going to have to say – I want to see with T.Y. McGill because given that I think when you look at the way that defensive tackle it spot is shaping up, you know you have Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. That's a given. You know Hassan Ridgeway. I still think Milton Williams, okay, is he DEMD tackle? Okay, he can play both. But I thought Raquan Williams has had a good camp, and – McGill's had a decent camp too, but given that if they decide to go either bigger fronts or they decide to play odd fronts, uh, Williams' size is good at a nose tackle. But I want to see what McGill can do, not only in pass rush, but it comes to stuff in the run. So those I'd probably say would be three guys that I'd be interested in seeing what they do. How about you? I don't know. You were very on brand there with the deep cuts who are probably not, <laughs> none of them are going to make the roster. But anyway, um, oh, thanks. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with John Hightower. OK, so he missed about 10 days of work with a groin injury. He missed the first preseason game. I view him being on the outside of the top six wide receivers. That includes obviously Smith, Rager, Quez Watkins, um, Travis Fulgham, and then Greg Ward and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I think he needs to make some legitimate plays, not only on offense, but on special teams. He didn't play special teams last year. He's got good speed. I wonder if he could play gunner, but I I also don't know if he can get off press, uh, you know, from the jammers. So that's interesting. But, uh, yeah, he needs to make some big plays here. This is his time to shine because, really, the chances are, are soaking up. And, frankly, you know, this room is young enough as it is. He's a 25-year-old second play, second-year player. You know, J.J. Arcega-White is a former second-round pick. Greg Ward's the veteran of the group and the leader. Um, you know, he's going to have to outduel both of them. Quest Watkins clearly has a roster spot. He's clearly going to have a major role. Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith, obviously, are going to be the featured guys. Travis Fulgham, even if he had an awful camp, like it, if it closed out today, he still a guy who fits a mold that nobody else on the roster has. So he's going to stick around. We need to see something from Hightower soon because I don't think the Eagles are going to be very patient with him. Um, I, I think, you know, we talked about him before, Michael Jaquette. Like, can he not hold a player and be successful? Like that, to me, that's really what it is because frankly, the golden opportunity is right in front of him. Craig James is sidelined. Kayvon Seymour is an afterthought. Josiah Scott's going to play nickel, so he'd probably be the sixth corner uh, and backup of Avante Maddox. I just don't see where Michael Jaquette fits if he does not play well uh, against the Patriots and then against the Jets. Um, And then I I guess, you know, uh, my last guy would be, um, hmm, Teron Jackson. Uh, I think he's been... Kind of up and down in training camp. He was okay in the preseason. He's a guy I'm intrigued by, size, speed, uh, you know, college resume-wise. But it seems like if you look at the defensive end group, it's Brandon Graham, Milton Williams, Ryan Kerrigan, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, 
And then what are you doing with that six spot? Uh, and do you keep six? Because I think they'll keep 10 to 11 defensive linemen. Um, I just don't know if you need another weak side edge rusher with the way you're using Jannard Avery. If you keep Jannard Avery, if you're keeping Joe Osman with the way you're keeping Joe Osman. Um, so it's intriguing to me. I, I don't really have, a, I, I don't feel like I've got a good feel for those last two spots in the defensive line room. Um, personally, I would keep de- more D tackles than stocking up on, on the DNs because I think, Kerrigan can be moved around. I like what you've got with Milton Williams, et cetera. Whoop. As an alarm goes off and that tells us we need to wrap up soon. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Teron Jackson needs to, you know, force the Eagles to keep six defensive ends. So on that note, we're going to wrap up the show. Remember to subscribe to Eagles extra nj.com slash text. It's free for two weeks. Enjoy the rest of training camp coverage with Chris and myself um and then make sure to subscribe to the no huddle show podcast wherever you get your podcasts give us five star ratings give us some feedback we love hearing from you for chris i'm mike we'll see you soon